Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the World Weekly with me, Andrew England, standing in for Gideon Rackman. This month, Turkey launched a new military offensive against Kurdish militia in the northwest Syrian town of Afrin. Ankara accuses the militia of being a terrorist group, but the Kurdish militants are also part of a group armed and trained by the US in its fight against ISIS, adding a new layer of complexity to Syria's seven-year conflict and further straining relations between Ankara and Washington. With me to discuss the issues is Laura Patel, our Turkey correspondent in Ankara, and Erica Solomon, our Middle East correspondent based in Beirut. Laura, can I start with you? Obviously, the US was opposed to this offensive. Why did President Erdogan, the Turkish president, insist on moving ahead with it. What's his argument for the offensive? Well, this is something that President Erdogan has been talking about for a really long time, because Turkey, not just him, but kind of the wider security establishment here in Ankara, see Kurdish militants who hold territory along the Turkish border as terrorist groups, and they see them as an inherent threat to Turkey's national security. But the kind of immediate trigger for this invasion happening was some language coming out of Washington from the US. We heard about two weeks ago that the US was planning to train and equip a border force 30,000 strong in order to defend Kurdish-held regions in northern Syria. And that sent Turkish establishment into a rage. And about 10 days ago on January the 20th, Erdogan finally launched this invasion. Why does Ankara see the Syrian Kurds, certainly the Syrian Kurdish militia, as a terrorist group? Why do they see them as such a big threat? They say, and I think correctly that the YPG militia, as known in northern Syria, is intrinsically linked to a group in Turkey called the PKK, the Kurdistan Workers' Party. It can be hard for people outside Turkey to understand this, but Turkey really does see the PKK as a very serious, in fact, the most serious threat to Turkey's security and, in fact, Turkey's very existence, because the PKK, ever since the early 1980s, has been waging a very violent insurgency inside Turkey. It's a kind of on-and-off conflict that flared up again here about two years ago with the collapse of the last ceasefire that, that had been in place for some time. And we saw active fighting in Turkish city centres in the southeast of the country, which is dominated by a Kurdish minority here. And PKK-linked groups were blowing up Turkish army convoys, in some cases launching bomb attacks in city centres in cities like Istanbul and Ankara. Erica, you've been following the war since it first erupted in 2011. And we know that the Americans are estimated to have about 2,000 troops in northeast Syria, where they train the Syrian Democratic Forces, an alliance led by the Kurdish YPG militia in the fight against ISIS. How has the US reacted to this? And how much of a risk is there that we're going to see Turkish allies fighting US allies in Syria? Well, I'm just going to start by answering the last point because it's actually already happening. U.S. allies are fighting each other on both sides. Turkey is, of course, a NATO ally of the United States, and the YPG is being backed by the United States inside Syria. On top of that, there are Syrian rebel groups that Turkey is working with in this fight against the Kurds that are also backed by the Americans or have been backed by the Americans in the past few years. And I think that just really underlines 
lines how complicated and frustrating this is for all sides. Inside Syria, this is a really contentious battle, a new battle that's come out. A lot of Syrians are saying, why are Syrians killing Syrians for the sake of outside groups, whether it's the PKK and, or Turkey? And for the Americans, of course, it's frustrating for them and other Western powers that two forces they think are their allies are at violent odds with each other. As for the message that the Americans have been sending, the problem is, is that Turkey feels like it's been getting mixed messages from the Americans early on. The Americans have said that they were going to stop arming the YPG when their main battle against ISIS, the jihadi group in Syria, was finally waged. And that's been almost finished off, though there are still pockets of the group still alive and well in Syria. And that didn't happen. And in fact, as Laura mentioned, they're saying they're going to arm this border force. So you can see why from Turkey's perspective, that's incredibly frustrating. From the Kurdish perspective, they've also been getting messages hinting that there might be more recognition of these Kurdish groups, which is what they really crave. And at the same time, you know, they've seen what they think is very muted language about the Turkish strikes on this region called Afrin, where, you know, people are dying. So the American public response has not been, I think, well received on any side. And how worried are people that this could actually lead to a kind of an international flashpoint where you see Turkish forces and their allies coming into confrontation with US forces, which are based in the northeastern part of Syria? My thought so far from watching the Syrian war is that I don't anticipate a direct confrontation happening, but I think it's just much worsening, already deteriorating Turkish-American relationship. The last time that Turkey threatened to enter a part of Syria where American forces were present, the Americans responded by literally driving tanks around with American flags near the Syrian-Turkish border. And then that uh, confrontation never materialized. There was this sort of side deal where the Kurds agreed to hand over territory to the Russians, another international actor in Syria, and then Turkey kind of backed down. So I think we might see some kind of muddled response like that to try and avoid it. But I don't know. I mean, maybe Laura will have a different opinion. I mean, Laura, we've seen a lot of aggressive rhetoric from President Erdogan in the last week or two weeks. He's even threatened to take the offensive to Manbij, a town which is Kurdish-controlled west of the Euphrates, and go all the way to the Iraqi border to the east. Is this bluster, or how serious is he? Well, that's the kind of million-dollar question, and you don't always know. With President Erdogan, he can sometimes talk a big talk, and it can be aimed at a domestic audience rather than being something that he really means. But, you know, I think that Turkey is very upset. I think that they are really trying to send a clear message here. I agree with Erica that both sides, in Turkey and in the US, will really want to avoid a situation where there is a direct confrontation. You know, some of the people that I've spoken to here, you know, Western military analysts, are worried that there could be the potential for a misunderstanding, a miscalculation, given especially the muddled policy on the US side. But I would be surprised if a deliberate confrontation would happen, even though President Erdogan has been using very belligerent language, saying, you know, he doesn't care about whether or not there are US troops in Manbij. Turkey's going to attack the YPG there and their backers, i.e. the Americans. As Erica mentioned, we're talking about two NATO allies here. Why are relations between Ankara and Washington at such a low point? The problem is that this Kurdish issue is just one on a whole list of grievances on both sides. I think one of the biggest irritants is the issue of Fethullah Gulen, who is the 
exiled cleric who lives in the mountains of Pennsylvania who is accused by Turkey of masterminding the very violent coup attempt that kind of turned this country upside down in 2016. They want him extradited and they're very frustrated with the judicial system in the US, which is not proceeding very quickly. And there's a whole list of other irritants. You know, the US is very worried by the fact that Turkey seems to be proceeding with the purchase of an S-400 missile system from the Russian military, even though Turkey is a NATO member, as Erica said earlier. The US is also angry that Turkey has been arresting American citizens and also a couple of Turkish citizens who worked for US diplomatic missions here in Turkey. I mean, the kind of list goes on. So in a way, it's important to understand the backdrop to this escalation in northern Syria, that it is very much set against a deteriorating US-Turkey relationship and fears in Washington that Turkey is moving away from its Western-orientated moorings and being pushed into the arms of Russia, a more eastward-looking orientation. I mean, some critics of US policy would say that it's the US that must also bear some responsibility for this with, for example, the very muddled policy that Erica was mentioning earlier in northern Syria. And how's the offensive being received in Turkey? I mean, you've written stories that more than 300 people have been detained for being critical of the offences on social media. Does it have widespread support? Erdogan's been playing the nationalist card. Is that working at home with the domestic audience? The truth is that it's very hard to know for sure and to be scientific about it because the atmosphere here is incredibly strongly in favour of this operation. I mean, the media, the TV, the newspapers, it's wall-to-wall almost entirely positive coverage. We've seen arrests of more than 300 people, as you said, for what they call terror propaganda on social media. This week, 11 members of the Turkish Medical Association were arrested for a very mildly worded statement saying that war was damaging to public health. And so in this climate, it's not easy to speak out. That said, I mean, any operations against Kurdish militants linked to the PKK are popular in Turkey. I think it's telling that the major opposition parties, aside from small leftist Kurdish party, have come out in favour of the operation. Um, Instead, they just kind of criticise elements or aspects of it rather than the operation itself. But, you know, if you were very critical of this operation right now in Turkey, it would be pretty risky to speak out loudly, as we have seen from this wave of arrests. Erica, what does this tell us about the broader war in Syria at the moment? You know, we're seeing President Bashar al-Assad try and reassert his authority over the country. He's backed by Russia. Russia pulled troops out of Afrin just before the Turkish launched their offensive. The Kurds control about a quarter of the country. It just looks incredibly complex, but it shows that the conflict is still raging in various corners and at risk of exploding into something else at any point. What can we learn from this? I think you kind of almost answered the question. I think, first of all, Afrin happening now is kind of a sign that it almost seems like the Syrian war just couldn't get any more fragmented. This is one tiny element of a vastly complicated and multifaceted war. And we're talking about Russia, we're talking about the United States, we're talking about Turkey, we're talking about a relatively small Kurdish militia. And this is all in one tiny pocket of territory. And another thing I think uh, important to mention, which we haven't covered yet, is the Turkish army and the Syrian fighters they're supporting have not gotten even very far. It's just like this huge battle, this huge international furor over a tiny pocket of mountainous territory that isn't even really being won. 
So all of that for this one patch, what about the rest of Syria when you get to places near even more dangerous red lines like the south, which is neighboring Israel, and there's concerns about Israeli-Iranian confrontation because of Iran's presence in the Syrian civil war. I mean, just this conversation would be very difficult for someone who's not a Syria watcher to follow. And that is sort of the problem with the war. I think even Syrians at this point feel like they can't keep track of what is going on across the country. Well, I think that's all we have time for. So thanks very much, Laura and Erica, for helping to explain some of those complexities. We'll be back with another edition of World Weekly next week. So join us then. And thanks for listening. And thanks, thanks to Fiona Simon for producing. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.